for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. I want to welcome you to Living Life. You know, I want to say that if you ever visit the church where I co-pastor in Southern California, it's called Rivera First Baptist Church. It's in the city of Pico Rivera. But nevertheless, if you come and visit, you're not going to find me wearing skinny jeans. Now, that's actually a gift. It's a blessing for the people that I don't do that but nor will you see me wearing a coat and tie very often. You know, for some churches, it's almost mandatory for the pastor to wear skinny jeans or for the pastor to wear a coat and tie. And you know, I guess I would do so if the Lord commanded me, but so far I don't see that in scripture. But of course, what the pastor wears is of, it's very important. In fact, the text that we're going to look at here in Exodus chapter 39 has to do with the priestly garments, those that are ministering. And so we want to pay attention to what is here in this text. But one thing I really want you to notice is how often the phrase, and the Lord command, as the Lord commanded Moses. In fact, I count four times in our text, and then in the rest of the chapter, even more so, we see that phrase just reminding us that there are very specific instructions that God gave to Moses for the people to do as they were building the tabernacle and what the priests would wear. And so let's keep that in mind as we now turn to God's holy word. Exodus chapter 39, verses 1 through 21. From the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, they made woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary. They also made sacred garments for Aaron, as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen. They hammered out thin sheets of gold and cut strands to be worked into the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, the work of skilled hands. They made shoulder pieces for the ephod, which were attached to two of its corners so it could be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband was like it, of one piece with the ephod and made with gold, and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and with finely twisted linen, as the Lord commanded Moses. They mounted the onyx stones in gold filigree settings and engraved them like a seal with the names of the sons of Israel. Then they fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. They fashioned the breastpiece, the work of a skilled craftsman. They made it like the ephod, of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen. It was square, a span long and a span wide, and folded double. 
Then they mounted four rows of precious stones on it. The first row was carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. The second row was turquoise, lapis lazuli, and emerald. The third row was jacinth, agate, and amethyst. The fourth row was topaz, onyx, and jasper. They were mounted in gold filigree settings. There were twelve stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the twelve tribes. For the breastpiece, they made braided chains of pure gold like a rope. They made two gold filigree settings and two gold rings, and fastened the rings to two of the corners of the breastpiece. They fastened the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breastpiece, and the other ends of the chains to the two settings, attaching them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front. They made two gold rings and attached them to the other two corners of the breastpiece on the inside edge next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces on the front of the ephod, close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. They tied the rings of the breastpiece to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband, so that the breastpiece would not swing out from the ephod, as the Lord commanded Moses. As the Lord commanded Moses. Four times that phrase is given in just the first 21 verses here in Exodus 39. The people of God were there saying, in a sense, Amen. It's just the way we want it. We're going to build this tabernacle and all that's contained in it, and we're going to do it just the way that God wants it done, the way that he has commanded Moses. You know, that reminds me of when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's like we're saying, yes, God, we want your will, the way that we live our lives. We want to do it completely, cheerfully, without hesitation. Your will be done in our lives. So here, the people of God in the wilderness they are wanting to be obedient. And it reminds me of like another command that is given where it says, put on the full armor of God. So here in our text we've been looking at today, it has to do with the priestly garments and they are to put those garments on. It's like a, a robe of honor. And when you have a robe of honor, you know that there is then this role to serve. And we, as God's people, as we make our way through this life, we want to serve the Lord with gladness, but we also want to do so in such a way that we're prepared to do His will. And so this idea, not an idea, a command, put on the full armor of God, because there's a lot of spiritual battles out there and we want to be protected and so we have this breastplate of righteousness now in the text as we we read about the breastplate there for the priests we know that we have this breastplate of righteousness and it's christ right we want to be dressed in christ's righteousness and so we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, we want to be obedient, just like the people of God there were getting it right this time and doing all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, when the garments were made, it also says that they were garments for ministering, right? Because the people who were wearing those wonderful robes and the breastplate and all that's des described, they were the priests, they were the ministers, and they were not to just use these, these garments to like sleep in. These were garments for service, not sleep. And they were garments not to strut around and parade their piety around the people and just you know, want people's uh, attention and so forth. They were there to serve the people. And it's like for our pastors today, you know, whether they're wearing skinny jeans or whether they're wearing a suit and tie, we want them to be serving one another. They want, we want them to be serving the body of Christ. And so, yes, we want them to really care for our souls and to help us make our way through this life. And we certainly want them to preach the Word of God faithfully and boldly and to guide us, to shepherd us as God's people. You know, like in the book of Acts, it says that they are to shepherd the people of God whom God purchased with his own blood. What an amazing responsibility. And then, of course, our pastors, we want them to be teaching the truth of God's word to us. And yes, they're going to have to oversee the ministry there at the church, and we want them to do so with wisdom, and we want them to be praying to the Lord because they want to, we want them to have guidance from the Holy Spirit. And they should be holy, they should be um, role models of holiness for us. So back to our text, we see that the robes, these garments, they're called garments for ministering, and then it says, in the sanctuary. And I love that phrase because it reminds us that the people of God are to be the gathered people, right? And the, that portable sanctuary is right there in the center of the community of God's people. Oh, may we be people who see the church as the center, and we want God to not be on the peripheral part of our lives, but that we would have God right there in the center of our marriage, our family, our workplace, how we drive on the freeways. We want God to be right there in the center. And so, as we make our way through this life, let's be God-glorifying, Christ-centered, and Spirit-led. And of course, let's do so to God's glory and our joy. As we close our Living Life devotional today, let me ask you, is God right there in the center of your life? I want to encourage you to really take a look at your own walk of faith. And for some of you, 
you've simply been ignoring Christ. And I want to encourage you to turn around and follow Jesus. And for some of us, we're just simply distracted, right? With all that's going on in this world today, we can get so distracted. And I want to encourage you, turn around and follow Jesus. And then for some of you that are watching this devotional or listening to it, you are angry at Christ. You, you are rebelling against him. And you know it. And I just want to encourage you to turn around and follow Jesus. You see, he is inviting us into a life with God. And that then we can be united together and be a witness for our Lord in this world that so desperately needs him. We want to be faithful and obedient. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this life. And Lord, I ask that we would be obedient, that we would do what you command. So Father, we want to follow the Lord. Lord, each step on the road of transformation that you've set before us, Father, we want to trust Jesus. We thank you for the good news that is found through Christ. And it's in his name that we do pray. Amen. Sing your soul,